Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. My name is Tyler. I have the unbelievable privilege of getting to be one of the elders here. And every now and then, when we forget how it went last time, I get to teach. And we have met that cycle again. And so strap on your seatbelts, folks. We are in for a good time. It is Community Group Sunday, which we celebrate every year. Uh, It's really the kickoff of our community group season. We roughly follow the academic calendar, the school year, as some may say. That was a weird way of saying it. We follow the school year and take the summers off, and we are back in them this week. So my goal this morning is to try to convince you that community groups are for everyone. Um, my faith, as with many others, some people come to learn, you know, come to meet Jesus and they have this like incredible moment and then they've just been on fire since. Um, I was much more a lukewarm Christian to start out. I met Jesus and started to follow him in junior high, extremely lukewarm. Uh, through high school, and it wasn't until really I was engaged, or at least dating my now wife, Julie, that I started to make my faith my own and actually figure out what it was uh, to follow Jesus. One of the most influential pieces of my spirituality and learning what it means to actually follow Jesus has been community groups. Uh, Julie and I got married 10 years ago, And we moved to Columbus, started at Movement Church, where we joined a community group there. And it was in that space that I got to see what it actually looks like to follow Jesus as as a, you know, someday as a dad. What do the dads that I'm around look like as Christians and as dads? What about the business owners? What about the employees? What about the moms, the sisters, brothers? We wear a lot of different hats, but across all of them, we're Christian. And community groups were where my wife and I got to actually see, you know, we have this, this head knowledge or these things that we're learning on Sundays. How do I actually apply that to my life? And so for me, I'm probably the most biased person in this church for community groups. Maybe I'm the second most biased and I'm going to bring the most biased guy up later. So this is a, an extremely biased presentation you're getting today. But I think if you had someone up here that was like, man, you could try it out, it wouldn't be a very good message. So I'm extremely for community groups. And my hope is that by the time you leave here, you will be as well. So I want to give you a roadmap of where we're going today. I think we've all been in messages. I have certainly delivered messages where they don't tell you where you're going. And it's kind of like driving. And some people's wives do this. I don't know. Some people's wives do this. They have Google Maps and they're not telling you when to turn next. They're just like, I'll tell you. And then she says, I'll tell you when the turn is coming up. And that is a painful drive my friends have told me. And no, poor Julie has to run Google Maps for us because I can't find my way out of a paper bag. So it's much more frustrating for her, I promise you. But where are we going today? First, we're going to look at the early church and get a biblical example of Christian community. Second, we're going to look at how community groups work as really a complement to what we do on Sunday mornings in our larger gatherings. And third, again, we're going to talk about community groups are for everyone. So I invite you to open up your Bibles or open up your phones to Acts 2. Um, We're going to be in Acts 2, 2, verses 42 through 47. That was also our portion scripture. While you flip there or turn there, 
just to kind of set the stage for what's going on for the church in Acts. Um, we receive the book of Acts in our Bible. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. So we get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call those the Gospels. Those are really the story of Jesus's life and earthly ministry. Um, at the end of those, spoiler alert, Jesus is killed on a cross for our sins. He spends two days in a tomb. On the third day, he rises again. And he, then he spends 40 days in his resurrected body among his followers and reveals himself to them. And so he actually spends 40 days on earth in, in that form, so to speak. He looks like himself, but it's also, he's a little unrecognizable. It's incredible. Read the end of the Gospels and early in Acts to learn more. Um, so in Acts chapter 2, this is where Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's going to leave his disciples, his followers behind, and he's kind of handing over the keys to his earthly ministry. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to go wait here for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in this moment called Pentecost. I promise the whole message won't be this like fire hose of information. Um, but it comes in this, this day that we call Pentecost, which was already a Jewish festival. But for Christians, we refer to this single coming of the Holy Spirit as Pentecost. Immediately after that, in Acts chapter 2, we are given this. And I say all of that to say that this is what the very first church, the very first group of believers, this is what they looked like. There were apostles among them, Jesus' 12 followers, his like closest group, those that were charged with carrying on and starting his church, this is what they looked like. And so we could start from 2023, and I can tell you, here's what Grace Brethren or Karis Fellowship looks like as a church, but you may come from other denominations. We want to start at what did the first church look like, and what does that look like for us 2,000 years later? So hopefully, a lot of this looks familiar to what we're doing today, and if it doesn't, please come talk to me after because we've gone off the rails somewhere. So Acts chapter 2, we'll start in verse 42. We're going to read all of this, and then if you've hung out here long enough, you'll know that we're going to pick it apart um, to infinity. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So in verse 42, we see that the early church was committed to four things. Uh, first, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. As I said, at this point, this is just after Jesus left. And so they have firsthand accounts. They have people that either sat under the teaching of Jesus that were already followers that they would have been able to learn from, or the apostles specifically, these 12 men that followed Jesus during his earthly ministry. Technically, one of them had been replaced, but he also knew Jesus. We had that's another story. There's some hot drama there. But there's 12 disciples that these people were learning from that, like I said, were handed the keys to the kingdom to start this church. And so they were devoted to those teachings. For us today, that means being devoted to the word of God, to the study of scripture, to figuring out how God has revealed himself to us through his word. And so that's how we can apply that devotion to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the fellowship. The language here, I read the ESV. It just kind of makes sense in my head. Your translation may translate this different. 
But it, the, the most accurate, I guess, way to present this in English is that they were devoted to the fellowship. If I say the fellowship of, who can finish that statement? Thank you. I was worried because you need it to be nerdy enough to say the fellowship of the rings and you need to be able to speak in public. And so that was a concerning audience to go after. And I'm so grateful for both of you. Um, I've been listening to a Hobbit audiobook lately that I could talk about for a very long time. That's really good. Um, but thank you. Yeah, the fellowship of the ring. And so in Christianese, if four or more of us get together and eat hot dogs, we'll leave there and say, like, what a great time of fellowship. Like, we have, like, a southern accent when we say it. No offense to Josh, who's up here. I love him. Um, but, like, what a great time of fellowship. And so we've taken fellowship, which is, that's true. That's a good thing, as when believers are together. But to be devoted to the fellowship, that means devoted to that collection, that community, that group of people they were devoted to one another. So not just devoted to the apostles' teaching, but devoted to the other people in the room that they were following Jesus together alongside. The third thing, they were, de they were devoted to the breaking of bread. We'll see this twice in this passage, and it means two different things, which is really neat. In this case, this is the more formal sacrament of communion or the Last Supper, the breaking of bread. And this language is used because before Jesus was crucified, he had what we call the Last Supper with his disciples, and he broke bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you, and he held a glass of wine, and he said, this is my blood shed for you, and he told them to do these things in remembrance of me, and so this is one of the first Christian, what we would call sacraments, or a regular practice that we follow, and they were devoted to it. They, they didn't just want to learn from Jesus and his teachings and apply them as a way of life. They weren't just devoted to one another, like a social club. They wanted to remind themselves of the work of Jesus on the cross, and that's why we um, continue to practice communion. They were devoted to it. Lastly, they were devoted to the prayers or to praying together, praying with one another. Part of Three Creeks DNA is that we pray a lot. We have folks in the back every single Sunday if you need prayer, if you want to pray with someone, we pray together as community groups. We pray in discipleship groups. We pray on our own. We pray on Sundays. We want to be devoted to that every single day. Continuing on, we'll jump to verse 44 here. All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Sounds like socialism, and some of you are uncomfortable. Bernie Sanders, um, he is Jewish, and I think if he read this passage, we could win him over. I think we could get one more person uh, in the faith with us if we told Bernie that this is what the early church looked like. Um, this is an important time to point out prescriptive versus descriptive texts. This is something I've just recently learned from Joel um, in a message, I think earlier this year. There are prescriptive texts in the Bible where we are commanded to do specific things, right? It is a prescribed action. Do this in remembrance of me, a great example of that. Then there are descriptive texts, which is the author of that particular Bible or that particular book of the Bible describing what was going on. I think in this one, we can take it, and certainly we have taken it to mean it is a descriptive text. So they're saying because they were so devoted to the fellowship, they were selling everything they had so that no one was in need. That may be descriptive, but go all in on Christian community 
And I'll be shocked if you're not inspired to do something similar, to find a friend in need, or when you hear a friend that's in your community group or in your church that's in need, I'd be shocked if there wasn't something in your heart that says, I should contribute to that and meet their needs. So maybe we're not asking you this morning to sell everything you have and give it all away, but I would be surprised if following Jesus in a close community of people didn't lead you to similar actions, if that makes sense. Verse 46 here, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's a really cool piece here that I believe we're living out today. It says they went to, day by day, they went to the table and they broke bread in homes. And so they had this larger gathering that looks like our Sunday mornings, I think theirs would have been on a Saturday, but they have this larger gathering where all the believers are together to have some teaching or worship, and then they're still meeting in homes. And so I'm not saying that Three Creeks has it all figured out, and we're doing exactly what the Bible says, and if you don't have community groups, obviously you don't love the Bible enough. Uh, but I am saying this is something that we're stealing from the church in Acts, and I'm crazy about it. There is, we'll talk about the way that um, Sunday mornings and community groups complement one another, but to see that in scripture where they have, they're learning directly from apostles, right? These are guys, these aren't just guys that are doing their best 2,000 years later. These are guys that walked with Jesus, and yet they still needed that time together to, to do life kind of in a closer-knit community. Um, I, th- I think there's something there then. And what's the result of that, of spending all this time together of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, to breaking bread, and to, um, to the fellowship. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. So again, they were breaking bread. This is the second use of that. So they're just eating together, which I think that's like the most human thing. I don't know when humans started. I imagine from the beginning of time, people have been eating and then they feel better and more communal after that. We eat in our community groups because of that. But what's the result of that? Uh, They praise God, and they have favor with all the people. We're talking about the believers and what they were doing. So all the people means non-believers. At one point, Jesus said to his disciples, by this, they will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. In a world that is incredibly toxic in its desire to divide, if we have a group of believers that are unified, we're allowed to have different opinions. I want to be very clear. We're allowed to have different opinions within that. But you see a group that actually loves each other despite their differences, that's going to be appealing to the outside world. I think it's an incredible apologetic that we can have where I can say, in my discipleship group, the closest guys that I run with, next November, we're probably not all going to vote the same way, and I could care less. I couldn't love those guys more. That is an incredible apologetic in a way that we can have favor with the outside world and show them why following Jesus is different than just being a good person. So we've, we've set the stage kind of for why I believe biblically community groups or being in these smaller gatherings are so important. But how does that play alongside what we're doing right now in a larger Sunday group? If you were to ask me, why should I be in a community group? I would give you the worst answer compared to what you'd want to hear. I would say you got to go all in, fully commit to it, and in about five years, you'll probably see that you've grown. 
It's kind of like saying you should plant a garden, but tomorrow you're not going to be able to eat that fruit, right? Cody talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, This spiritual maturity takes time, and so I think the best way to sell you on it is, is that picture that these two things go together and that we may be missing out on the full picture of the Christian walk if we're only coming on Sundays. In community groups, uh, first we ask questions. So if you are very new to the faith, if you aren't even a Christian yet, I could not encourage you more to go to a community group and ask questions of those people. That makes group leaders scared because it's, it's tough to show up and have people asking questions that we don't know the answers to. Um, but show up and ask questions. We don't have a, a Q&A session. This isn't, um, you know, a time where you could raise your hand or maybe feel comfortable raising your hand and ask, asking a question, right? That's not how our Sunday mornings operate, but that is how community groups op- operate. We want to learn alongside one another. So it's not that you have this sage of a community group leader that's going to know all the answers, uh, but you can show up and ask, how does this apply with my relationship with this coworker? Or I've been depressed... What does Scripture have to say about that? If I show up on a Sunday and hear the teaching, I may be able to think about how it applies to my life. Like, chances are you've had that happen. But especially when we're newer in our faith, it can be really hard to connect those dots. But as soon as you get to walk alongside other believers that have been there, um, we can start to figure that out together. And that's a huge part of the faith. Second, it's a way that we can practice loving one another. We talked about the church in Acts and their devotion uh, to the fellowship. Our ability to love one another is how the world will see that we're different. Um, so that community groups are a great way to practice that. It's hard to practice that. I will acknowledge it is hard to practice that on a Sunday morning. I can show up in any mood and you'll think that I'm doing great because you say, Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I can put on a front to, I mean, I can fake it pretty well. Um, I don't do that anymore, but I could, right? And you've, you've probably all done that. We've all done that. It's almost part of the culture where you can show up on a Sunday, have this face on, and slide out. On Tuesday night, after a long day at work, I'm flying into group. My kids have maybe been fed. They're like half-dressed. It's going to be a lot harder for me to put on that same face, right? And so it's a chance for me to love the people in my group, and it's also a chance for me to be vulnerable and acknowledge that I can be loved in spite of my sin and in spite of my shortcomings. So it's a chance to love one another. It's also where we point one another to Jesus. Rightfully so, we put a lot of emphasis on Christian community and vulnerability and authenticity, and those are essential parts of this. But if we're not pointing one another to Jesus along the way, we've just made this like really close social club. So It is good to be authentic. It is good to love one another. It is good to bring meals to each other's homes. Like these are some of the best things about getting to be a Christian. Um, But if you're not calling out sin or encouraging one another and pointing each other to Jesus in the midst of that, chances are we're just going to kind of all tread water and stay where we're at. Lastly, it is a chance to pray for one another. Like I said, we have the prayer team here every single week. That is a way to receive prayer. Community groups are a great way to, we have prayer requests, that's a common thing, Um, but our group will say, if you're taking prayer requests, but you're not actually praying, you're just kind of doing life updates, and that is so frustrating to me. So we don't do that anymore. Um, We want to pray over one another and be committed just like the early church. So some of you are motivated by these things. You see positive reinforcement, and you like that. But I'm a dad, and unfortunately, we've learned 
that suggesting there's a consequence that could come by not taking an action is also effective. So some of you might be more motivated by, I feel like I'm doing all right, but if you can tell me that I might be missing out on something, what's going on there? So I want to look at what the Christian walk or a Christian uh, may walk into, some traps that we may walk into if we're outside of community. Um, First, we may become stagnant. Like I said, there's a lot of discipleship that takes place in these community groups. I have people ahead of me and people newer in the faith than me that I can learn from. People newer in the faith ask incredible questions, things that we may be taking for granted. And so it's a chance for me to say, you know what? I didn't really know that as well as I thought I did, or maybe I just heard that from my grandma. Let me go see if that's actually biblical. It's a way for us to grow. And so not being in community, you may just remain stagnant. Uh, the Christian who lacks community may lose hope. I can't tell you the number of friends, close friends that I've talked to midway through the summer, toward the end of summer, where we take this break from groups. How you doing? Man, I just feel off. It's because we're not in community groups. It's because we're not together. You don't have that regular rhythm of encouragement. Over and over again in Paul's letter to these early churches, he writes, encourage one another, for example, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need encouragement on this earth. It is not easy to live life, and we need encouragement from other people as part of this, and community groups are a great way to do that. Uh, This one, again, I don't know who this would apply to. I suspect some of you, but certainly not me. The Christian outside of community may become prideful. Let me tell you something. Uh, Julie can attest to this. If you were to leave me to my own devices, if I am on my own, in my own head, I've actually never been wrong. I have solutions for everything. Everything is very clear. I've already solved it, and everyone else just needs to figure it out. As soon as I say this out loud, my wife is smarter than me, and I'm not just saying that like it's objective. If you know us both, it's, it's pretty clear. As soon as I say something out loud, um, that is up for challenge. I don't get to just stay in my own head and feel like I'm so high and mighty and have everything figured out. As soon as I'm in community, we see this in relationships, but as soon as I'm in a community group, those things can be challenged. There's also an aspect of confession where if we're confessing our sins to one another, we are humbled in that act. Confessing our sins, I'm, if, you're, if you're new to community group, we're not going to ask you like your latest sin the first week. That's like one of my favorite joke icebreakers to use. Um, But if you're in very close community, that is something that we practice and something that we're instructed to practice in Scripture, is to confess our sins to one another. Um, When I do that, I'm extremely humbled. When I'm outside of community and I'm not needing to confess my sins, I can tell you I feel like I'm doing a lot better than I am because I haven't really had to process those things. It's easy to just brush them off. So the Christian outside of community may become prideful. And lastly, they may have great theology but no love. And that's from lacking relationships. So you can gain all the head knowledge in the world. And I chased this a lot in my, my early Christian years. I thought, if I can just figure this stuff out, then I think I'll be good to go. I now fear the day that I could have potentially met Jesus, either upon his return or when I die and go to heaven in the intermediate, that I would say, Jesus, I spent 40 hours a week studying your word in a closed room and You don't really get it unless you're out applying it, unless you're meeting people, telling them about Jesus, and loving one another. So the Christian that lacks community can have great theology. You can learn a lot, 
but it is merely an academic pursuit outside of actually expressing that and making disciples and raising other people up. So our final piece here is that community groups are for everyone. Again, to the unbeliever, if Christianity, if you're not even sure about it yet, or if you're brand new, I can't think of a better place for you to be than here on Sundays or in a regular Sunday gathering and in a community group. That is where you can get those questions either answered or figure out how other people are approaching the answers. To the believer that is in a community group already, huzzah, you've probably tuned out. I hope some of this was fun for you. Um, keep going. I, I'm praying over our community groups, whether they're leaders, apprentices, or members, that you all would be excited to be in community group this year, that there's another fire lit underneath you, and that it's not just another regular thing on your calendar. We do not have a lot of regularly scheduled events in Three Creeks compared to maybe what we could do as a church. And part of that is so that we can put emphasis on showing up to community group every week. For the believer that is not yet in a community group, my final word is kind of this metaphor that's been churning around in my head. Um, Our family recently moved, and so you're going to get a moving metaphor or illustration. Um, Picture this. If we were about to move, moving is something that I think we would all agree is best done in community or with people. Um, If I was moving... And I was moving everything on my own, right? I've got like, I can't carry that much, so this illustration falls short very quickly. I have like a couch cushion. And then you see me try to carry the whole couch out. My neighbors are going to think, he just doesn't know. No one's told him that this is supposed to be done in a group. So if you're a believer and you're not yet in a group, maybe it's just that you're very new to this and you haven't learned yet like the value of that Christian community. And that's certainly excusable. Like that's not a, a sin or anything that you haven't learned that yet. Or it could be that I knew I should have asked for help, but I said, I can do it myself. Like, I got it. I'll figure it out. It may be a matter of pride in that case. Or it may be that you knew you needed help. You knew that you should have done this with other people. You, pride wasn't in the way, but you were afraid to ask. You were concerned, how do I get connected to a group? I acknowledge that is a, that's a very intimidating process, and we're going to solve that here in a moment. Um, so it may be that you didn't you know, feel comfortable asking. Or lastly, it may be that you didn't have anyone to ask. And so maybe I'm moving by myself because I'm new to the area and I don't have anyone to do this with. You can see where this is heading. I'm going to invite my friend Chris up. Here he is. Here's the most biased person toward community groups. So if you wanted just unbiased, yeah, clap for Chris. Clap for Chris. Chris here is going to answer all of the unopened all the different threads that we started this morning. Yeah, he's hands, going to time all together. He's going to tie them all together. Chris also has a spiritual gift of packing U-Hauls. So he helped us move. And you should see this guy. This guy's he's like, what is it, uh, Tetris? I was going to say Jenga, but that's, that's the opposite. That's compulsive or something. Yeah, 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 it was like Tetris in there. So right. you have a spiritual gift for that. Chris Travis is also our community groups director. Chris, what's my first question to you? Why are community groups important to you, Chris? Well, I also just wanted to say, I heard, I stepped out of the room for a minute, and I heard Tyler's in here talking about Bernie Sanders is what I heard. So Yeah, that you know, was the message. That was a take-home. I was, I was here yeah. to, you know, the rest of the stuff I, yeah, I, I second. I don't know Thanks what... Thanks for reiterating it, so that's what stuck. Yeah, Yeah. Thanks. so we'll follow up. That's weird. But community groups, you know, I... Hopefully I don't talk forever up here, but you asked... What was your first question again? Why are community groups important Why to me? Why are they important to you? Yeah. yeah. I sent them the questions ahead of time. This is just to act like it's on exactly. the fly. No, community groups are so important to me. Um, when I look back at my, my life and my journey so far with Jesus, some of the, the richest times in my life and some of the times that I've experienced the greatest 
spiritual growth have been in the context of community and community groups. I you know, moved from Virginia to Ohio um, way back in 2009 and had grown up in uh, a, strong, a strong church but, um, and then went to Christian college. But I, I came to Columbus and I was looking for community. I found a church to get plugged into and got plugged into community groups. And what I was learning about myself through this time was like even though I grew up in a, a strong church, a gap there in just my faith of the Lord was knowing and realizing and experiencing what it looks like for Jesus to be in the like everyday, day-to-day, mm-hmm. yeah. mundane, relatable parts of my life that are the parts where you really see life change. So I was yeah. getting plugged into, into community. I was spending, honestly, you know, even three or four days a week with, with these people because it was that stage of life. I was single, didn't have kids yet. But as I was getting into community, people started just asking me real questions, you know, like, yeah. how are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just surface level answers. And they would follow up and say, how are you really doing? And I felt like a level of uncomfortability with that because I didn't even know how to be vulnerable and how to um, talk about the things that Jesus was teaching me. But as I got further into community, I was just started to see um, people who were different than me and people who were on different, in different places with their walk with Jesus. And I was seeing the growth in their lives and seeing the, the things that the Holy Spirit was doing in their hearts. Um, and it started just really motivating me. Yeah. Um, my, one of my best friends, um, Patrick, started sharing you know, time and time again. He was just sharing about how the Holy Spirit and God was just revealing his pride to him to the point that he was breaking down in tears and so, so burdened by it. And I remember thinking, like, that's so awesome for Patrick. But yeah. like, I honestly don't think I have any areas of, of pride in my life. And that was how you know, little introspection I had, but as I was seeing the changes in, in Patrick's life and another friend's lives, I just started to say, like, I want that. I want, I want the changes that I'm seeing God do in their lives. I don't necessarily want to do the things that I know I need to do to see those changes, but I want that. And then as time went on, I, I just eventually got to the point where I said, I want what I'm seeing in the people's yeah. lives that I'm in community with. I want that type of love for the Lord. I want to experience that growth in the Lord. And I just like kind of threw my arms out and said like, God, I'm yours. My life is yours. You know, do with it as you want. And that's where I just started to see tremendous growth. Um, and that wouldn't have come like from doing life by myself. It, it was from being in community with those people. And um, that's why I get so excited about doing this because I know what that feels like yeah. and I know how incredible it is. And I want that for each of us. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Second question, uh, you were most recently in the Anderson's group. Before yep. that, you were in our group. Whose yep. group was better? <laughs> okay, third question. Uh, what would you say to someone that's Tyler on the fence? A, Tyler and Joy are excellent group leaders. So, wow, um, thank you, know, you so much. Yeah, I'll pay you after. Yeah. Thank you. It was a hard, hard to leave you guys. Um, what would you say to someone that's on the fence about joining a group? I mean, yeah. maybe they're already convinced. Yeah. Your, your inbox is flooded right now. So flooded. But yeah. I would say... Jump in. I mean, jump in, just do it. Like, you know, I think that we all have, we have reservations when it comes to coming to a new church and meeting new people, or we've been at this church for a while and jumping into community. Um, You know, you hit on, on quite a few things this morning, but I think, I know all of us are healthier when we're in community, when we're doing life with others than when we're doing life alone. And it's so easy to convince ourselves um, that we're good. And, and to think that the interaction that we're having with people or the level of community that we have is true community, uh, but to really be missing out on, on that depth yeah. um, of community that you have with people. And I think, I know we all want to have our people. Like, yeah. Three Creeks is full of awesome people, but when I come into this building on a Sunday morning, the people that are my people, the people that 
I feel the greatest connection with. The people who are like family are the people who I've been in community group with here at Three Creeks, and I've now been in two. And even when you when you change groups, that that doesn't change. You know, you yeah. and Julie and and. Uh, Sarah and Jared Copens and anyone who I've been in group with, uh, even before the Andersons, that's my family here at Three Creeks, and those are the people I gravitate to, and those are the people who I want to do life with, and I want that to be true for you too. Um, you can come to Three Creeks, and you can just come on Sundays, and and let that be your experience, but you're going to miss out on the deep relationships and friendships that are going to change your life, uh, and you're going to miss out on on the fun and the connection that comes from community groups. Dude, come on, come on. You know, I was. Thanks. Yeah, clap for that. That was good. You should have given this message, Chris. All right, last thing. People are fired up. Some are clapping. We got some clappers in the house. Um, someone's all in. They want to jump in. How do they get connected? Yeah, I would love to talk to you. I, you know, I've, I've emailed a lot of you. I've texted a lot of you. But there's so many of you who want to get connected to a community group, and I've never met you face-to-face. -face. I would love to get the chance to do that. I will be out at Three Creeks Central in the courtyard after church, uh, hanging out under that tent, and we'd love to get to talk to you if you're not yet plugged into a community group. They start today uh, for those groups that meet on Sundays, and then this is the, the kickoff week. Um, so if you need a place to go and you're not sure where to start, um, Come find me. I'd love to talk to you. Another way you can do that is you can go to threecreekschurch.com forward slash groups, and you can see all the groups that we have there. We have 20 groups. Um, you can request to join, or you can text the word community groups, all one word, to 97,000, and you'll get a reply where you can fill out an interest card. Um, I feel like I wanted to say something else, too, but I don't remember. But those are, the best, those are yeah. the best ways to, to get connected. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Let's give thank it up you for Chris. so much. Chris, thank you so much, man. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.